Luke 15, 1 to 7. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home and there he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who did not need to repent. And then second reading is Acts 16, verses 16 to 25. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. <clears throat> she kept this up for many days and finally Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When the owners of the slave girl realised that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. And after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And upon, reaching such, and upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet to the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners listening to them let me pray let's just stop and pray our father in heaven we thank you lord for your love for us we thank you lord that you came down to earth that you lived amongst us you died for us you rose again we thank you lord that we have new life in you we thank you lord for all the blessings of being close to you and being accepted and loved by you and i pray lord that that'll filter through our lives we pray this in our Lord Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the topic today is joy. The question is, do we really need joy? Do we really need joy? And um, why should we bother wasting our time on this topic anyway? And I'd like to say to you that it's an important topic. We need joy in our lives. I need joy in my life. I do not want to live a black and white, terrible, draining, grinding life not interested. When I was little, my next door night, we had a black and white telly and we had a great time watching the telly. It was one of those tellies that had buttons on it that you'd press. It was not a dial, but button, push button telly. So us kids would lie on the floor and put our toes up 
and change the channel with our toes. We thought we had it all, lying on the floor watching telly. And it all changed, of course, at dinner time. Come on, get over here. But our next door neighbours had colour. <sighs> they had colour TV. Daphne and had a colour TV. So we used to go Wednesday nights next door and watch colour TV. It was just extraordinary. It was just extraordinary. And we really loved it. And uh, I don't want to live that black and white life. I want to be next door with Daphne and watching colour. We can get joy through nature. We were on holidays at Ulladulla in a campground and I was in my hammock in the shade and my friend Tom, who I taught in year, when he was in year four, brings his baby over called Wes. He brings Wes over in his nappies. That's all he was wearing because it was a hot afternoon. And where he says, Martin, mind Wes. Ah. There I am swinging with Wes. We had such a great chat. I told him about all the things that were on my mind, all the things I was concerned about. We talked about his future. It was just great. It was just so ah, joyful. It was just maybe really just great. Down at the beach, uh, there are dolphins and they float along. And the thing about seeing dolphins in the wild is you can't say, oh, it's Tuesday. We'll go down at 7.30 and see the dolphins. They're not there. They come and go as they choose. So when you get to see them, you go, ah, dolphins. I was on my paddleboard at the back of the surf and I saw dolphins scooting along. They always, they seem to travel until they find a school of fish and then they circle for a half an hour and then they travel again. And I was able to paddle out to them and get close enough to hear them breathe. And they go, and then they go under again. You can hear them. I'd never heard them before. It was only because I got close enough on the board. And it just made me ah, so happy. We last year did an unofficial apprenticeship, traineeship at, um, at Ladysmith at the farm. And I learned heaps about sheep. And we got to mind Kelly the lamb for a while. Kelly was a potty lamb that needed to be looked after. So we gave it a drink and it'd waggle, the whole thing would waggle, and it'd try and get in the door when you went out the front door. It was just lovely. And it, like not many people run up to me when they see me. Not many people. Not even Miriam. But Kelly did. <laughs> Kelly did. She loved me and uh, just, just made me happy. Like there's so much joy. There is joy to be found. Ripper the dog sits on the back of the ute and when you're working on something, fixing something, stands there quietly, quietly. Then he goes for the big lick. He just wants to lick you on the face. He's just affectionate. And even though it's disgusting, there is a certain joy in the fact that he wants to lick you on the face. It's, he just wants to be friendly. We, we've been living at Junie. Junie has water slides. Just does uh, Area Park have water slides? The pool's not even open. Well, I brought my swimmers this weekend. The pool's not even open. You go on the water slides at Junie, you walk up the stairs, you get on your little mat, and you slide down. And as I'm sliding, I'm killing myself laughing, thinking, wow, this is such good fun. How on earth would I have this any other way except they provide it for me? And the attendants are standing there like this. I'm laughing. I'm just about crying with tears of joy 
and they stand there like this. And you say to them, oh, thanks. And they go, yep. And then they swap every 15 minutes so that they're alert, OH&S, all that sort of stuff. And they might be sitting somewhere like this. And you say, thanks. And they go, yep. <laughs> I just, it, just, it just fascinates me. There's so much joy to be had. Um, I have a friend back home, back home. I'm going to say it, back home on the coast. My friend Dave and I have coffee regularly. We catch up, have a cup of tea. We visit each other. We talk about our stuff. We spend time talking about our kids and his kids. Uh, we've looked after his kids. He's looked after our kids. We just try and be good friends. Um, and it brings me great joy. Uh, I had two moments of particular joy over at Ladysmith. I was eating my lunch on the back of the ute. The dog had been kicked off. And uh, I turned around and Nate was eating his lunch too. He'd opened a can of tuna and he was eating it off a 10 mil spanner. And I thought, <laughs> I thought he's just a nice guy. <laughs> he didn't whinge and carry on. He didn't want my, my fork or spork. He just found something in his toolbox, wiped it on his shirt and ate his lunch. And I just thought, Another time we were sitting in a, in a field of wheat. We had been chasing sheep all morning through the fence, through the gully, get the dog, get the sheep, chuck it back. Someone else is over the wrong side of the fence. That goes on and on and on. At the end of the day, we're hot and tired and we're sitting in a field of wheat, Nate's wheat, and the wind had dropped, the sun had dropped. It was really still. And you could run your hands through the wheat. And it was just really lovely. And I thought, oh, it's beautiful. There is so much joy in God's world. But the problem is none of the things that I've mentioned are looking directly at God. They're looking at the things he's made. And the problem is we can't always rely on the things he's made. I don't get to have coffee with my friend Dave. I don't get to go over to his place and have a cup of tea with him. Because I'm here. I don't get to go to the beach because I'm here. I don't get to go to Journey Water Slides today because it shuts at two o'clock and I'm here. You can't have everything. You can't have everything. Friends move. Friends get sick. Friends are away. You miss people. Relationships can get strained or soured. People, people get divorced. People get, have huge problems in their families. The things they rely on crumble sometimes. I've lost my dad, so I can't chat with dad about stuff. He was a great speller and he was good on science and he was good on general knowledge. Gee, we had lovely times chatting. He was good on his Bible knowledge too. He loved the Lord and it was great to be able to chat with him. But he's gone. And my mum has lost her memory. She doesn't know us kids. Things that we rely on, if we're not careful, we lose. There are hardships. We went to Young Baptist Church and they'd had five funerals over the Christmas and January period. You think, wow, wow, that is so destabilizing and just draining on the people involved. I have a friend who gambles 
and uh, he's always betting on horses and footy and stuff like this. And I can just imagine him getting on those bet with mates ad, the bet with mates TAB things. Have you seen the bet with mates things, the ads? They're these ads where there's all these friends who are really excited and happy who are betting together. And I think, ah, is that really joyful? Is that really going to hold you on a bad day? I just wonder. I don't think so. Let me put it to you that the gospel is better than you think in terms of joy and life. The gospel is better than you imagine. I'd like to tell you a joy story, a joy challenge story, and a joy command. A joy story, a joy challenge story, and a joy command. Luke 15, the tax collectors. The tax collectors and the Pharisees were made... The tax collectors and the sinners were gathering around Jesus to hear him. Sounds like a good thing to me. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered and said, he welcomes sinners and eats with them. He eats with them. How terrible. Because the problem was in that culture, if you ate with someone, you were saying we're friends. We're together. We're close. We're tight. That's what the message was. You didn't eat with people that you didn't like. You'd say, do you want to have a cup of tea up the street? You'd say, no, I'm not busy. I'm busy, sorry. If you didn't like them, you wouldn't do it. But we're, so Jesus is having cups of tea, scones, dinner with people who aren't accepted by others. He says, he tells them this parable. So these people around him and some people in the crowd are going, well, he's picking terrible friends. Jesus says, suppose one of you had 100 sheep. 100 sheep and lose one of them wouldn't you leave the 99 in the open country and go after that one lost sheep until you find it and then when you find it won't he joyfully put it on his shoulders and go home and then when he gets home he calls his friends and neighbors and he says rejoice with me i found my lost sheep i found my lost sheep come on it's not a barbecue it's hummus and dip, hummus and dip and cups of tea. We're going to celebrate because I found my lost sheep. The joy of the shepherd. He's happy because he's found his lost sheep. He's joyful. The sheep costs money, but it also costs him worry. Where's my poor lost sheep? Now, this is not a story about sheep. It's a story about people, right? Jesus is telling a story about people. Jesus is saying when people are lost, he wants to find them. And people are lost. That's the problem with being lost. You're lost. I've only been lost, a, I've been lost in the car lots of times, but I've only been really lost when I'm on my feet once or twice and it's no good. I was bushwalking one day and I got ahead of the group. I missed a turnoff, kept going up a creek. The track disappeared. I thought, oh, oh. stop for a minute. Can't hear anything. Where's everybody else? So I turned around and I walked back until I found a track up. Oh, I was so relieved. And then I looked up the hill because we had to go up a huge hill. And there were people at the top. They were about this big. And they were waving at me. And then they turned around and kept going. My friends, my friends. <laughs> and so I climbed up as fast as I could and caught up. Being lost is a problem. And the problem with being lost in God's kingdom is that you're away from the Lord 
you're not accepted by the Lord, you're not loved by the Lord, you don't know fully Jesus' love, you don't have the certainty of heaven, you don't have the hope that we share as people who know the Lord's love, there's a problem in being lost. Jesus sees this crowd who are around him as lost and he wants to spend time with them and tell them the good news that the Lord loves them and that they can join the kingdom. Other people are saying, no, 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 we don't need those people in our king, in God's kingdom. How does the story end? The story, Jesus says, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need to repent. There'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need to repent. Heaven goes nuts when people believe. It's great news. It fills me with joy just knowing that, that when I became a believer, when Jesus helped me to see and helped me to believe and trust him and love him, heaven went crazy. Heaven rejoiced. And that's wonderful. Doing full preparation, I watched a TED Talk on joy, getting joy in your life. Does anyone know TED Talks? Okay. I feel like I'm, anyway. TED Talk is these modern, trendy talks at conferences about all these topics, and they get smart, beautifully dressed people, unlike me, and they stand them up for about six or seven minutes, and they do an interesting talk. And the talk on joy basically concluded that if you paint something beautiful, everyone will be joyful. So prisons and schools doesn't work. If you have lots of something, people will be joyful. So the, the example was you have a piece of paper that big and no one cares, but you have 2,000 of them and you call it confetti and you throw it in the air, everyone will be happy. For a while, they talked about the Columbine School where there'd been a terrible shooting in America. And they said, well, when they, there's so much unhappiness that they changed the front of facade of the, of the school, they ripped down the awning and they put a curved roof on it a curved roof so that when the kids came to school, they'd see a curved roof and be joyful. And I think uh, they're trying, but it doesn't really, doesn't really meet our deepest needs. Doesn't really meet our deepest needs. Joy is only found in our love, in Jesus love for us and us understanding that and being filled with that. And it's a warm love, a deep love and a great joy. Let me talk to you about the, the second reading we had about the prison. We're in Turkey, a couple of houses over from uh, Ukraine. We're in Turkey. In the middle of Turkey, Paul gets a vision. And the vision is come over to basically to Greece, come over to part of Greece to Philippi and help us over there. So he takes about a 200-kilometer trip, which involves mainly boat travel and a little bit of walking. When he gets there, he meets some ladies who are on, out on a Sabbath morning at a place of prayer. They're Sabbath, out of the Sabbath morning at a place of prayer. They meet a lady called Lydia. Paul explains the gospel to Lydia. Lydia believes, on the spot her family believes, they want to get baptized, and then they finish it off by saying, and if you believe that we're brothers and sisters with you, I want you all to come and stay at our house. What an incredible missionary journey. They go out on the first Saturday. 
run into a heap of people who are praying, explain the gospel to them. They all want to get baptized. And then they say, we want you to come and stay with us. It's pretty rare, isn't it? Pretty rare. It had never happened to me. So there's all this rejoicing. What a wonderful mission trip. What a wonderful day to be a missionary. Paul then spends some time in town talking to people about the gospel. He goes back and he stays at Lydia's place with, um, with uh, Silas. And so it's all going well. Every day they're followed around by this girl who's demon-possessed, who's a slave, who can tell the future for her masters who, who sell fortune-telling. She's a slave. She doesn't get to organise her own life. And she has an evil spirit in her, which takes over her body and talks stuff through her that she doesn't know, that she doesn't, you know, it's not her thing. She's captive by two people. Paul eventually gets so annoyed because she keeps saying, she keeps walking around, following them, saying, shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. These, servants are the, these, these men are the servants of the Most High God telling you how to be saved. She did it time and time and time and time and time again for days on end until Paul got tired of it, got rid of the evil spirit, but then her masters realised what had happened. They grabbed him, dragged him into court, ripped his shirt off and Silas beat the stuffing out of him. They were in a town called Philippi, which was a, a Roman settlement. You know how um, people sort of tend to retire together into town, things like that? Where we are, people retire to the coast. Philippi was a retirement town for Roman soldiers. So that it was pretty right wing and it had an excellent RSL club and they were very keen on people obeying the rules. So when Paul and Silas freed this poor girl, freed this poor girl, the crowd said, this is not good, this is not Roman, and they attacked them. They beat them within an inch of their life and chucked them in jail. If it was me, yes, uh, an aside, yesterday I was a bit whingy. I was a bit whingy yesterday. I was a bit whingy. I went for a bushwalk with Anthony and, and uh one of the girls said, I was a bit windy, I was tired. And I thought, not good enough, Martin. You've got, be, you've got to be better than this. You've got to look to the Lord. What happened to Paul and Silas? They had the stuffing beaten out of them, thrown in jail in a foreign country. Nothing good happens in jail. Nothing. And yet, what are they doing at midnight? I'll read to you, verse 25. About, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. What an incredible turn of events. Being a missionary was, was incredibly exciting. You could see God working. And then in jail. And yet, in a strange way, Paul and Silas just have a new audience. They're singing hymns and praying to people in the hearing of people who are in the same situation as them in jail, in Roman jail. And they're singing and praising, they're singing to God, Lord, and praying to him because they're not looking at their circumstances. They're looking at the Lord. 
They're not looking at their circumstances. They've been able to turn their eyes and look to the Lord. It all depends on what you look at. Down on the south coast where we come from, the water is crystal clear. So when you get in, it's crystal clear. You can see your feet. You can see the little crabs and things on the ground, on the floor of this, the ocean. You can see the ripples in the sand. I get in, I have a great time. We try and swim most days. Swim, catch waves, just flop around, suck in some water, swish it around, spit it out, just ah, clean yourself up. You just feel great. I go swimming with my friend Dave, and Dave goes, oh, it's a bit cold. And I'm going, no, Dave, it's wonderful. We're swimming, we're swimming, we're catching waves. Oh, it's a bit cold. I think I'll get out soon. And I'm going, no, 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 Dave, come on, Dave, let's swim out the back. And no, nah, Dave's gone. Dave's looking at the temperature. He's looking at the temperature. We often look at, I look at the temperature, it's just not when I'm swimming. We need to keep looking at our Lord and keep looking at our Lord despite the circumstances. That's not to say that the circumstances are terrible. They are sometimes. Paul's circumstances were awful. He was able to overcome it by what he looked at. He looked at the Lord. He spoke to the Lord. He sung to the Lord. What about a joyful command? There's a book called Philippians which was written to the people of Philippi, Lydia and the church that grew around her, Philippi. The book is written to the people who picked Paul up from jail the next morning. They're his old friends. And this is written about 10 years later. They're his old friends who picked him up from jail and looked after him after he'd been beaten and thrown in jail. So they're his friends and they know his story. They know his story. One of the things he says to them is, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Paul knows suffering. He's not saying, oh, I just pretend that life's fine. I'll pretend that things don't matter. Things matter. People matter. Pain matters. And if people are suffering, we need to be with them. The question is, do we only look at a circumstance or do we look at the Lord as well? And I'm putting to you that Paul, who has suffered so much in his life, still keeps saying to people, rejoice in the Lord. Some people think he's writing this from in prison himself in Rome. It's hard to know exactly. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. That's what he says to the people who picked him up out of jail the next day. I have a friend called Dean who lives over at the farm over at Ladysmith. And Dean is a terrible singer. He's terrible. He can't sing in time, can't sing in tune. He plays guitar nicely. But he's always sending me texts of links to songs, praise songs. He sends it to me late at night, never early in the morning through the day, through the work day, it's because he's praising the Lord himself. He's found something, he sings along to it, and he says, oh, Martin needs this. Boom. It's a good thing. He is looking at the Lord. All through his day, he's looking at the Lord. All through his evening, he's not just watching telly and watching the news. 
he's actually praising the Lord. And he thinks Martin needs this and he sends it to me. It's really, really neat. I want to finish by saying we can find joy. There's lots of joy in the world that the Lord has made, but the greatest joy, the most lasting, deepest, most satisfying joy is found in the Lord Jesus. Life without joy is tough, but life with the Lord Jesus is joyful. Lord Jesus will carry us through things. He will carry us through adversity, carry us through suffering, carry us through being misunderstood, carry us through all sorts of things, loss, disappointment. We just need to keep looking at the Lord, all of us. Let me pray. Our Father in heaven, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to see you. Help us to have the insight, Lord, to turn to you when things are good and to turn to you when things are bad. Lord, I pray for everyone present that you would be working in their lives. Help them, Lord, to see your joy. Help them, Lord, to be filled with your love. And I pray this in our Lord Jesus' name. Amen.